Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome to the beauty of our Catholic heritage. Our host is Father Jacob Shea, a Norbertine father of St. Michael's Abbey in Orange County, California. Father Shea has a great love for our church's heritage. The beauty of our Catholic heritage with Father Jacob Shea. Welcome back to the beauty of our Catholic heritage here with Father Jacob Shea. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, we will be speaking about the most blessed Trinity, and how to grow into an intimate relationship with the Most Blessed Trinity. First, we must see what the Blessed Trinity is, and then how are we to order ourselves entirely to the Blessed Trinity. Usually when we think about the Trinity, we think, oh, this is such a difficult mystery. I cannot even begin to understand it. How is it possible that there are three divine persons in one God, right? So the first thing to realize is there are not three gods. There's only one God, one true God. But there are three divine persons in one God. And so when we think about the Trinity, we are immediately faced with a very, very difficult concept, a very difficult doctrine. And so usually when we think about the Trinity, we don't think of how do I have an intimate relationship with this very complicated, very difficult to understand doctrine of Holy Mother Church. And so here today we want to dispel all of these things and give you a way to really access the inner life of the Trinity and to show you how marvelous a mystery it is. So first, the most blessed Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we would never have known that there is a Trinity, except if God came down to earth and told us. The first thing with regards to the Trinity is that it is divine knowledge. And we could never ever have had this knowledge, except if God told us. And so Jesus came and told us that I have a Father, and that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, and here we then get the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So here, with the Trinity, the first thing to realize is that God never ever had to tell us about His inner life. He never had to tell us about His inmost being. And so just like a person, when you're kind of getting to know a person, you only know the outside of the person first, and you have to get to know the inner life of that person. 
That takes a long process where you have to do activities together, you have to talk to each other, hang out with each other, etc. It takes a long process to know the inner life of a person. To really get to know a person takes many years. And really, even after many years, sometimes there's things that you still don't know about your best friend. However, God loves us so much that he gave us the entire mystery of his inner life. And he wants us to know everything about him. So this is what it means when Jesus says, I want you to be my friends, right? I do not call you slaves, but my friends, because friends know the inner life of one another. And so the fact that we have the doctrine of the Trinity shows us how much God wants us to love him and how much he loves us. It is a pure gift that he shows us his inner life because he wants to be our divine friend and a friend who never lets us down and a friend who dies for us, right? Of course, in the second person of Trinity. Here we must see that the gift of the Trinity is a gift of intimate knowledge, the intimate knowledge of the inner life of God. Now, when we get past that, then we are very, very, very put into a conundrum because obviously, again, the mystery of the Trinity is a mystery. It's very hard to understand. We don't understand it now in this life, but in heaven we will. And so here in this life, we hold this by faith that the Father and the Son are distinct and the Holy Spirit is distinct from them both. But they are all equal. They are all equally God. And so here we go into this doctrine of the Trinity to understand it. And so here is a very simple way to understand the Trinity. First, there is a one God. There are two processions, two divine processions, and three divine persons. So there's one God two divine processions and three divine persons. So first, obviously there's one God. There cannot be multiple gods. And the way that you can easily see this is say, what is God? God is an infinite being, right? And so I teach high school students and I tell them, prove to me there's only one God by reason. Don't use the Bible. Use philosophy. Use reason. And then they look at me and they ask, how can you do that? Well, if you think about it, right, what is the definition of God? He is the infinite supreme being. So then you say, well, what if there are three gods or four gods or five gods or many gods like the Hindus say? So if that were the case, then we would have multiple infinites. Right, so we have one infinite God here, one infinite God there, one infinite God there, right? But if that were the case, then these infinites would get in the way of each other and they would actually bind each other or limit each other because this infinite God is doing its own thing and this infinite God is doing its own thing and then this other infinite God is doing its own thing too. That's not what God is. God is infinite Right? He is unbounded, not limited by anything. 
And so there cannot be other gods besides him. And so here there's one God. Now there are two divine processions. Now, what is a divine procession? A procession means that something is coming from something else. Okay, so for example, you can say your breath comes from your lungs, right? When you have your breath coming out, it proceeds from your lungs. Or you can say your voice proceeds from your mouth, right? Or your son and daughter proceed from you. So a procession means that something comes from something. Now, we would never have known that there are two divine processions unless Jesus came and told us. So our blessed Lord was incarnated, right? God became man, the word became flesh. And he told us in the gospel of St. John, I proceeded from the father. So he uses the very word procession. I proceeded from the Father. Then, with the doctrine of St. Thomas Aquinas, he says, well, if something proceeds from something else, they must be distinct. Okay, and St. Thomas is very careful because he doesn't want to say different, but he says distinct. Okay, and so the Father and the Son are actually distinct. They are not the same. And this is very important to remember because only the second person of the Trinity is incarnated. Only the second person of the Trinity becomes man. Does the Father become man? No. Does the Holy Spirit become man? No. So that must mean that they are all distinct persons because only the second person of the Trinity, that is Jesus, becomes man. And so when you say the Son proceeds from the Father, or when Jesus again says in the Gospel of St. John, I proceeded from the Father. In that moment, our Lord is revealing the inner life of God. That He is not, okay, you can just say one person, but He is actually three divine persons in one God. He is a community of persons. He is three persons which are related to each other. And so here, our Lord says, I proceeded from the Father. That means I am distinct from the Father. The Father and I are one, right? We are equal, but we are not the same person. So it's very important to see that when Jesus says this, he is revealing the inner life of the Trinity to us that we could never have had. So the first divine procession is the procession of the Son from the Father. This is called the divine procession of generation. And so here is when you say the Father generates the Son, or you call Jesus the only begotten Son of the Father. Right? And as you see here in the creed, it says, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. All of that is describing the procession. Okay? Eternally begotten, not made. And so in the, in the creed that we say every Sunday, right, our Lord, the second person of the Trinity, is begotten, or you can say generated from the Father. 
or proceeds from the Father. He is not created, right? It says he is begotten, not made. So the Son is not a creature. He is God. God is never a creature. And so here we have the very beautiful, succinct formulation of the creed. Begotten, not made. So this is why it's important to realize when you're saying that, you're talking about the first divine procession. That is the procession of generation, when the Father generates the Son. Then, what is the other one? There's two divine processions. Well, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So a lot of people describe this as the love between the Father and the Son, because they are distinct, produces another person, a divine person, and that's the Holy Spirit. And they breathe forth the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So you actually even say this in the Creed. And so here, when you see this, that in the Trinity, you have these three divine persons, right? One God, two divine processions, right? Because the Son proceeds from the Father, And the Holy Spirit proceeds from both. And then now you have three divine persons. These processions are happening eternally, forever. Okay? And they never have a beginning and they never have an end. Because nothing inside of God can change. And so here we have the inner life of God. That he is a community of persons. Now, how do we apply this to our spiritual life? We must apply this to our spiritual life because what is this inner life of God between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, what is this procession? We're talking a lot about this procession. Well, if God the Father is equal to God the Son, everything that the Father has, as our Lord says, is given to the Son. Everything that the Son has comes from the Father, right? Because the Son proceeds from the Father. Everything that the Father has is given to the Son. The Son receives everything from the Father. And so what that means is that the entire Godhead, the entire divine essence, that is who God is, the entire Godhead is transmitted, or you can say communicated, from the Father to the Son. It's a pure gift of self from the Father to the Son. Right? Nothing is left out. 100% is given from the Father to the Son. You can't even really put a number, right? because 100% is really infinite. Right, The infinite divine being is given from the Father to the Son. The Father communicates the entire divine essence to the Son. It's a pure gift. It's the best gift ever given, right? The gift of the divine essence. Then... The Father and the Son breathe forth the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, right? We say breathes forth because the Spirit, right, is spirated, right? Spirit, you can even see in the word, is like breath, right? He's also called the breath of life. So then we call the Father and the Son the breather, right? So here the Holy Spirit is breathed forth or spirated from the Father and the Son. So here the Father communicates the entire divine essence to the Son. And then both 
the Father and the Son, breathe forth the Holy Spirit in the second divine procession. And that means that they give the entire divine essence to the Holy Spirit. So they communicate the divine essence between each other. And so here we begin to see something in our lives. And this is where it goes straight to our spiritual life. Because if you notice in your life, you will never, ever be happy. I can never, ever be happy if I do not give everything that I am to God. In a way, right, we can see this in our other relationships. For example, father and son, right, daughter and mother, friends, wife and husband, right? In all of our relationships, we're wanting to give almost everything, right, to each other, right? Friends really share the same soul, you can say, right? Even the saints speak in this way where they said that we were one soul in two bodies, right? So really a good friend is one that really gives everything to the other, right? It's interesting to think about what that means exactly, but there's some sort of totality that wants to be communicated in that friendship. And in a father and son relationship, right, the son wants to know everything of the father. The father wants to be the best father possible and give everything to the son, right? You really see this also in inheritance, right? So the father gives all that he has to his son in his inheritance. Or if you're a father and daughter, you're like, oh, this is my most precious girl, right? My beautiful daughter. I want to give everything to her, right? So for human beings, we always in our deepest heart, right? We want to give everything, right? And we want it to be received, right? And so there's two parts. We want to give everything that we are with all of our strengths. And it turns out all of our weaknesses too, okay? In the highest kinds of relationship, we always give everything we are, our strengths and our weaknesses to somebody else. But we also want it to be received 100%. And this is where we have so many problems in relationships because this whole process is confounded. It's disrupted. It's messed up because we want to give 100%. We want it to be received 100%, but because of selfishness, because of pride, because of envy and jealousy and anger or past baggage, we cannot receive 100%. And we cannot even give 100%. And so that's why we feel unfulfilled. And so what does this mean with regards to the Trinity? It shows us that God tells us that we are made for complete oblation. We're given and made for being of a Holocaust victim. Right? This is the Old Testament Holocaust, where everything is burned up for the glory of God, right? And so even for a husband and wife, right, they have to give everything of each, right, of each other to themselves, right? Or everything that they are to the other. And so here we see that there's a totality of love in us. We want infinite love, infinitely, always, forever. And this is the only thing that's going to satisfy us. 
And this is because the imprint of the Trinity has been branded on our being, on our soul, on our heart. We are made in the image of the Trinity. And this is why we feel so strongly and we cannot be fulfilled except by infinite love given and received. And so when our Lord tells us his infinite life, he tells us you were made for infinity. You were made to love me with infinite love. That is, you were made to love me, who am infinite, with infinite love. That is the infinite love that I give you, the love of my sacred heart. And so here you begin to see the glories of the Trinity because it reveals infinity communicated between persons. In the Trinity itself, it is the communication of the infinite being of the divine essence between the three divine persons. Then this is imprinted on all of creation and everything bears a shadow or a vestige or an imprint of the most blessed Trinity and the pure diffusive goodness. It just wants to spread everywhere. And so similarly with us, Anytime we're happy, we want to share it. It's not enough if we have it by ourselves. We want to give it and we want it to be received by our friend, by our wife, by our children. We want our joys and our highest joys and the truest joys and the most beautiful joys that we have to be communicated to the ones that we love. And then for us, when we realize that God has given us this life and raised us to this not supernatural life, right? Above the natural life. But he's raised us to the supernatural life where we deal with infinities, the infinite love of God. Then we see why we hunger so much for heaven. Everybody, everybody desires infinite love forever. And they really desire, if they really think about it, the love of God. And we see this so beautifully in the cross, where our love, our infinite love, is nailed upon the cross and dies for love of us. A love that we cannot even begin to describe. And then he gives us his most beautiful mother as a gift from that cross. Here we see that the principal mystery of the faith is the most blessed trinity. The principal mystery of the faith. And then after that is the incarnation. And so here we see that when we want to develop an intimate love of the trinity, we must give everything to Jesus through Mary all the time. All for Jesus through Mary. These are the ways that we can go to God with that totality, right? Namely, the ways of the consecration of St. Louis de Marie de Montfort, the consecration of the saints in their hearts to God through Mary. Here you see all the greatest saints, they all take this pathway. Everything for Jesus through Mary all the time. Every smallest act, and here you have the little way, you have all of the spirituality of the saints given to us. And so here, let us love Jesus through Mary. Let us love the Blessed Trinity with everything that we have. 
and even more, right, with the heart of Jesus. Our Lord has given us everything. And as St. John Eudes said, who has such a devotion to the most sacred heart of Jesus and teaches us true devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, he puts this devotion of the sacred heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary in the context of the teaching of the mystical body. He says, everything that the head has is the bodies. Everything that the body has is the head's. And so Christ is the head. And so everything that Christ has is ours. That's how much God loves us, that he gives everything of Jesus, even his own sacred heart to us. And when we receive that heart, then we are able to give everything back to God with the very infinite love of the sacred heart. And this is why I really love St. Catherine of Siena and the miracle of the exchange of hearts where she gives right her heart to Jesus but he gives her an even more beautiful present his own sacred heart and he takes her heart and she takes his and we must also take the sacred heart from the hands of our savior and realize that it is his gift to us and place it in ours. These are the beautiful mysteries of the Trinity. Let us give everything to the most blessed Trinity, all glory and honor, all love forever and ever. Amen. You've been listening to The Beauty of Our Catholic Heritage with Father Jacob Shea. If this program has been a blessing to you, please encourage others to listen as well. For more information, visit spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. May God be with you this day and always. for listening to Spiritfield Radio. I'm Alexis Walkenstein. If you've been enjoying what you've been hearing on internet radio, we have something for you. You do not want to miss the St. Joseph Summit coming up this fall. It's all virtual. That means it's all online. You don't even need to leave your living room. Join the leading voices in Catholicism who are going to unpack the great mysteries and devotion of St. Joseph and why he's important to your life and mine. This is your invitation. Don't miss it. RSVP by visiting stjosephsummit.com today. Spell out Saint September 30th to October 3rd. Save the date. Tell a friend. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.